Young adults, what's going on? If y'all are happy to be in the place, y'all better open up your mouths and say so. Come on, try it one more time. I said, if you're happy to be in the house, open up your mouth and say so. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, my, oh my, I am, uh, I am thrilled to be with you guys tonight. Uh, I think this is my first time preaching in young adults at Victory Church. And uh, what an honor it is, man. And uh, for those of you, now, I heard there's some new people in the building tonight. If you're new here at Victory Young Adults, put your hand up real quick. If you're new, if it's your first time here, come on, can we make some noise for all of our friends here? Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Glad you're here. Um, my name is Curvin, and my wife and I have the privilege of uh, being the, uh, the, the associate campus pastors here at Norcross. And uh, we are not the young adult pastors here in this building. Our young adult pastors, Pastor uh, Vance and Pastor Gabrielle, uh, they called me in. Y'all make some noise for Pastor Gabrielle and Vance, because I know y'all watching. I know you're watching. But no, we send love to the Smith family, and uh, I'm excited for the word tonight. I, I want you to do me a favor. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's about to go down. Now, that neighbor was stuck up. I don't know why they looked at you like that. They looked at you like your breath stunk. Look at your other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Come on, say, other neighbor. Get ready, because it's going down. So I know that uh, the past few weeks, you guys have been talking a lot about the heart and talking a lot about the challenges and the war within the heart. We talked about pride. We talked about humility. And we talked last week about uh, what Paul instructed us in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, which is to offer our bodies as a what? As a living sacrifice. See, the reality is that Whenever you look at the word of God and you look from Genesis to Revelation all throughout scripture, you find that God has called us to this kingdom that is totally countercultural. Uh, in fact, the idea of a living sacrifice, it almost doesn't even make sense. And can I tell you the dangerous thing about a living sacrifice is that at any given moment that, off, that sacrifice can hop off the altar. And the truth of the matter is that as you look through Scripture, as you walk with God for any amount of time, you will quickly discover that the journey with Jesus is paved with moments where you're going to have to confront head on a decision whether you're going to follow the way of the world or if you're going to follow the mandate of Christ. And so tonight, I want to take the next few moments to speak to you from a subject that is going to challenge you. For many of us, it's going to be a subject. I'm going to say some things tonight that just might offend some of you. Come on, Jesus. So if you're taking notes, you can title this message simply Boundaries. And then under it, you can put this. Finding God's grace and limitation. Finding God's grace and limitation. Let me pray over the word of God tonight. Dear Jesus... Help! Amen. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know me, I have three beautiful children. I should have brought a picture to throw up. It's all good. Some of y'all know my kids. Some of you know my kids. My daughter, she's 13. Her name is Lyric. And I have two boys, 11 and 7. Uh, the, the middle child is named Legend, and the baby boy is named Lion. So Lyric, Legend, and Lion. 
Uh, let me just say this to you. My children uh, have mastered the art of stretching out bedtime. Like they have mastered the art of making bedtime, which should be like a quick three minute in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Good night. Situation. They, they, they've learned how to make it 20, 30, 40 minutes in duration. In fact, my daughter, and, and they accomplish this in different ways. So my, um, let me just start with uh, my, my son, Legend. He's the sweet uh, child of mine. He, he has the pastor's heart. So the way that he stretches bedtime out is he, he's kind. So he says things when I, when, I, when I lay down with him at, at, at night. He says, Dad, how was your day? <laughs> Give me the highs and lows. <laughs> Did you feel, did you sense God and his presence today? At any, tell me about it. I'm like, shut up, go to sleep. <laughs> Stop it. Now, my son Lion, now mind you, he's seven years old. And my son Lion, he got that black Air Force One energy. I'm just saying, y'all, like, if you know Lion, you know what I'm talking about. But Lion, is, he, he's totally different. His game plan, his strategy is completely uh, unorthodox. So he, here's, how, he, here's, what he, he, here's what he hits me with. I'll put him to bed, and I'm just sitting there praying with him. He'll say, amen. Hey, Dad, I got a question. If I take your face, and if I put it on my butt, <laughs> does that make you a butt face? <laughs> and I'm like, that's a great question. But I don't know. Shut up and go to sleep. <laughs> right. But then the master of them all is my daughter. She, now, now, she's 13. I don't put her to bed anymore, but I remember when she was younger. She's smart. She is the pastor's kid, if there ever was one. And she knows the way to her daddy's heart. So I would put her to bed, and I would pray with her and say amen. And then she would try to hit me with these deep theological questions about the scriptures. She would ask me, well, Father, I don't understand how God could be triune, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Can you please explain this to me? Is it true? That, and that, that, that once saved, always saved. There's no way that you can walk away from the grace of God. Tell me about it, please. I mean, she's asking me questions about things people have been debating over for centuries. And I'll never forget this one particular time I read her the story of Adam and Eve in the garden and the fall of man found in Genesis chapter 3. And I read this passage. I, I, I read this, uh, Genesis 2, 16. And I said, and the Lord warned him, Adam, that you may eat you may eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now, I know that's not the best like story to tell your kid at bedtime, but um, it is what it is. And, 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 and pause, let me just say this. I don't know about y'all, but I cannot wait to get to heaven. Is there anyone else you want to get to heaven like anybody else? Like anybody? I can't wait to get to heaven. I want to meet Jesus. I want to meet Moses. I want to meet the great men and women of God found in Scripture. But I'm going to tell you who I really want to meet. I want to meet Adam. Because when I think about all the sin and the disease and the sickness and the war and the famine in the earth, and it all traces back to this brother. Can I tell you all something? When I see Adam, I got hands for that man. And they ain't holy hands either. I'm going to tell you, I'm tell you right now. Like, all he had to do was be naked and eat fruit. Like, how do you mess that up, right? So I'm telling my daughter this story, and I'm, and I'm telling her about this tree of, 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 of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life and, and how God instructed Adam, hey, you can have anything you want in this garden, but if you touch this one tree, if you eat of its fruit, you will surely die. Listen to the question my daughter asked me next. She said, well, Dad, if God knew that they were sin, if God knew that they would sin, 
then why would God put that tree in the garden in the first place? Can I tell you something? This is a valid question. It's a question that in some ways and senses, we've asked the same question as it relates in regards to other moments in our lives where we question the sovereignty of God and we question why sometimes this journey with Jesus is so difficult. And can I tell you tonight that God could have easily chosen not to place the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. But if that were the case, what would it look like for humanity moving forward? Sure, Adam and Eve, they would have walked with God in the cool of the day. They would have communed with God. But years later, fast forward to where we are now, we would all just be walking around worshiping and honoring God like a bunch of robots, not out of love, but out of duty and obligation. Can I tell you today, God wants us to choose him out of desire, not out of obligation. You see, love is not really love at all unless it's a choice. And God desired for Adam and Eve in that moment to choose him in the same way he desires you to choose him today. So, Whenever I think of the word limitation, I, my mind automatically goes back to the wonderful year of 2020. Can we say Lord Jesus real quick for the year 2020? Come on, some of y'all, it's a miracle that you're even in your right mind tonight. For some of you, it's a miracle that you're even sitting here under the sound of my voice or joining us online. When I think of 2020, I, I would even call it the, the year of great limitation. During that season, it was, there was COVID, it was quarantine. Everyone was wearing face masks. Human interaction was limited. There were curfews. Everything was closed. And can I tell you, I, I would venture to say that most of us in this room would agree that, that limitation and boundaries are whack. No one likes to be told that, hey, bro, you cannot go past this. You cannot do this. You cannot do that. We're not a fan of limitations and boundaries. And in fact, for many people, when they look at Christianity, they're turned off because all they see is a bunch of limitations. You may even be here tonight. Someone maybe brought you, invited you, knocked you out, tied you up, put you in the back of the car, drug you in, I don't know. But there may be some of you even here tonight and you're, you're struggling in your journey with Jesus and you have questions about this faith. And some of us here tonight, when we look at the faith that Jesus has called us to live out this walk with him, all we see are a bunch of boundaries. We see things that we can't do, things we better not do, things we better do. But can I tell you tonight, if you only see the Christian faith through the lens of rules, then chances are you're a slave to religion. Because I've come here tonight to remind somebody that Jesus Christ, the darling of heaven, he did not abandon the grandeur and majesty of heaven to come to a broken world. He did not die and lay down his life to create a religion that is founded upon rules. He laid down his life for a relationship between a holy God and a lost and hurting people. It's not about the rules. He came for a relationship that is rooted in love. And we know what the Bible says about love. 
Paul said it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says in this one spot that love always protects. Come on, say that with me tonight. Love always protects. So while many of us despise limitation, the truth is that if you and I look closely, you will find God's grace and protection in the limitations that he's put around us. Come on, if you're ready for the word tonight, say, I am. Here it is. I hope you're taking notes. Here's my first thought. I got some content for you tonight. I hope you're taking notes. Here it is. Number one, limitation is God's love in disguise. Limitation, as much as we hate it and abhor it, it is God's love in disguise. You know, Jess, I wasn't planning on doing this, sis, but tonight I felt that this was a safe place with God's people to let them know about what my, my son, Legend, is, is battling with. You see, my son, Legend, we found out recently that he's been battling addiction, and it's serious. He just cannot stop. I don't know what it's going to take. We've been praying. Um, Pastor Johnson, Pastor Summer, they know about this, and they're walking with us through it. But he is addicted. Let me show you all his drug of choice. Go ahead and throw this up on the screen real quick. Um, this brother. <laughs> y'all laughing, but it ain't a game. <laughs> Listen. This brother will eat Cheetos, hot fries, and Takis for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if we were to allow him to do so. I mean, seriously, if, if he, 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 he loves, he, he can't stop. He has a problem in the middle of the night. What are you doing, son? I'm just eating my hot fries. Starts crying, go to bed. <laughs> Please. And can I tell you something? Here's the question that I will propose to you is this. I know my son enjoys those hot fries, and he would eat them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if I would allow him to. But me as his father saying, no, son, you cannot eat hot fries for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, does that make me a bad father? Does that make me a wicked, mean, cruel father? Absolutely not. You see, if I didn't love my son, then I wouldn't put that limitation in place. And he bucks against it, and he fights against it, and we all do the same. Can I tell you, in the Western world here in America, we hate the idea of limitations. We're always pushing the envelope. Here, we are obsessed, not just in America, mankind. We are obsessed with space exploration, right? Uh, we, we landed on the moon. Mars is next. I don't know where we'll land next. Elon Musk, this brother is, is, is consumed with pushing technology to, to, to the furthest realms of possibility. I heard recently that he's working on a project called Starlink. Has anyone ever heard of Starlink? Basically, he's trying to set up a, a network of satellites that completely cover the earth so that Wi-Fi is available in the most remote parts of the world. I mean, it's crazy. We are, we, we're obsessed with the idea of pushing past limitation. We've spent billions of dollars, trillions probably, trying to find cures for, for cancer and, and Alzheimer's and various diseases. And can I tell you, all these things are great. And they're being accomplished by great men and women who have the knowledge to do and pursue these things. And they only have the knowledge to do these great things because they're made in the image of a great God 
who's wise and who's all-knowing, who's powerful. But we have to understand tonight that the same God that will move a mountain is the same God that will also build a barrier. The same God whose promises are yes and amen is also the same God who out of his love for you will sometimes say no. You know, this journey with Jesus, man, if you walk it for any amount of time, you're going to come across these moments where you discover that the culture of man will collide and clash with the kingdom of God. And the question you have to ask yourself is, what, how do I respond in those moments? And in fact, I was praying and kind of researching and thinking through some of these collision points. And I have five I want to share with you tonight. I call it the big five. These are the big five kingdom culture collision points. All of you are familiar with them. Number one, here it is. I'm going to run through these really quick. Marriage and family. The kingdom of man will tell you that marriage is a legalized contract between whoever wants to be together. But the kingdom of God says that marriage is a holy covenant between a man and a woman. Government and politics is another one. We live in a world that wants you enslaved to a political party. But can I tell you tonight, you can believe whatever you want, but I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ is not a Democrat and he's not a Republican. He cares just as much as for the unborn as he does for the immigrants. Number three, sexual and gender preference. Oh, the world will tell you, baby, just follow your heart. But what does Jeremiah say about that heart in your chest? He says that heart is desperately wicked. It's beyond cure that no man can cure it. The world will tell you, listen, you can identify as whatever you want. But the word of God reminds me that, no, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that you are the workmanship of a master craftsman. And the last time I checked, baby, God does not make mistakes. We live in a world where we will find ourselves colliding with the culture of man through leisure and lifestyle. Oh, Lord, help me preach this one. The world will say, live however you want. Do whatever you desire, whatever feels good. You are your own God. But can I tell you something? The word of God says that under grace, many things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Come on, grace was never intended. Grace was intended to be an umbrella to protect and empower you, not a diaper for you to wear. And last, but definitely not least, racial and cultural association. Come on, y'all better help me preach tonight, young adults. We live in a world that'll tell you that black is better or that white is right. But can I tell you something? As I stand on this stage proud to be a black man, and I'm proud of the heritage that I represent and the lineage of those who've gone before me, and I will open my voice openly and, and for, for any oppression against blacks, Hispanics, Asians, white, black, brown, green, or whoever's in between, while I honor and, and I thank God for the heritage, can I tell you tonight that before I am a black man, I am a child of the kingdom of God. Come on, before you are a white woman, you are a child of the kingdom of God. Listen, it will always be kingdom over culture. And these are just five of the big areas of collision 
And there's so many more that you will encounter year after year, week after week, sometimes day by day. And the question you have to ask yourself tonight is this. In these moments of tension, how do you respond? No, I'm serious. How do you respond in a moment where the culture is telling you to follow your heart and to do whatever it is that you desire to do, but the word of God has put a clear boundary and a limitation to step foot in that direction? How do you respond in those moments? Because remember, it's only love if it's a choice. And my friend, we have a choice to make. I love Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. God says this to his people. He says, today, somebody say today. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Can I tell you, my friend, whenever we stop and whenever we put our cultural, sexual, political, relational preferences to the side, whenever we begin to truly see God's limitation as gracious protection over our lives, it changes everything. It changes everything. We'll find it easier to stop fighting against the limitation. We stop grasping and reaching. We stop blaming God for holding out on us. When we see God's limitations for what they truly are and we surrender to his plan and to his agenda, we then discover that God's plan is way bigger than we could ever imagine. Come on, we discover that God's way is way beyond what we could ever think or imagine. And watch me, even if you don't understand it, No, I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. I said, even if you don't understand it, because if God was small enough for your mind to comprehend that he wouldn't be big enough to be God anyway. No, we submit to the limitations that God has put in the earth. Amen. Limitation is is love in disguise. Here's the second thought that I want to share with you tonight. Limitation is also a bypass to blessing. Come on, anyone want to be blessed in this place tonight? All five of you. I said, does anyone want to be blessed in here tonight? <laughs> I'll take your blessing if you don't want it, boo-boo. <laughs> I'll take it. Come on, embracing the limitation of God, you will discover that it's actually a bypass to blessing. Jeremiah 29, 11. God spoke this word over Jeremiah. He said, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, but plans to give you a hope and a what? And a future. Listen to me, my friend. When you submit your life to the limits of God, you open yourself up to be blessed by a limitless God. And I know that to be true. Because what some of you you may or may not know about me is that, man, I've been on a journey for these 20 some odd years that I've been walking with the Lord. You see, I grew up in church my whole life. But whenever I was around 11 years old, I decided that I wanted to do 
what Curvin wanted to do. And how many of you know tonight, do you have anyone that grew up in church? If you grew up in church, make some noise. Like you've been in church your whole life, make some noise. See how sad they sound? <laughs> My point exactly. I grew up in church my whole life, and I knew what was right. I knew what was wrong. I knew who God was. But I once heard someone say that in the kingdom of God, God does not have grandchildren. No, did you catch that? In the kingdom of God, he does not have grandchildren. That means that your mama's faith is your mama's faith. Your father's faith is your father's faith. You see, at some point, you have to make a decision. I had to make a decision for myself whether I was going to live my life in accordance and adherence to the faith of my father or whether I was going to live my life to my own accord. When I was 11 years old, I chose that I wanted to do what I wanted to do. I smoked my first blunt when I was 11. I began drinking alcohol right after that, popping prescription pills. I was strung out on ecstasy. I began getting involved in gang activity, just wilding out, y'all. By the time I was 17 years old, I was a full-blown cocaine addict. I had begun smoking crack cocaine. I weighed 110 pounds. When I was 17 years old, I was arrested for an armed robbery, and I was facing 10 years in federal prison for a violent crime. And listen, I'm not saying any of this tonight to give glory to the enemy. No, you see, it's just that from time to time, you need to remind the enemy that you're the one that by the grace of God got away. From time to time, it's good to just remind them. You got to remind them from time to time. All glory to God. And I stood before this judge, who I didn't realize it then, but I later discovered who was a spirit-filled believer. And instead of sending me to prison for 10 years, which I deserved and more, he sent me to a Christ-centered drug and alcohol program called Teen Challenge. And I went, because 10 years in prison? <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> And I get into this program, and I had no idea, I had no idea that I would encounter the God of my youth. I had, no, I had no idea that the God of the Bible was waiting on me, was waiting to encounter me. And I gave my life to him. I never, I'll never forget. I laid on this dirty blue carpet, and I wept and cried. There was snot and boogers all over the place. And it was in that messy place of surrender that I said, God, if it's true what they're saying, if you can truly change my life and use me to do something of significance for your glory, then I surrender and I give you my all. And God changed me on that day. I finished the whole year of this program. I graduated. And instead of coming back home, I stayed and I began interning at this program. And, 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 and for the next year, I was an intern and I, and I became junior staff about four months in. God's favor was on me in that season, and I began doing ministry and leading. I, cr I created their very first hip-hop ministry, and, and I, I was taking guys and traveling with them and uh, doing block parties and outreaches and juvenile detention centers. I mean, I was doing all of the work. But sometimes you can be so busy doing the work of the Lord that you forget about the Lord of the work. And I found myself getting so caught up 
and going and doing that I forsook stopping and just being. And after two years in this program, I actually relapsed. I picked the bottle back up. I started smoking weed again. Thank God it didn't go too far beyond that. But I relapsed. And I'll never forget my roommate. I don't even share this part of my testimony too often. So I don't know who needs to hear this tonight, but this is Holy Spirit divinely planted for you, whoever you are. And my roommate, he found the baggies in my room and he gave me an ultimatum. He said, Curvin, either you go let them know what you've done or in 24 hours, I'm going to tell them what you've done. Now, mind you, I had a choice to make. I've been removed from my hometown for two years. I could have easily packed up my stuff and went back home and no one would have ever known that I relapsed and that I failed. I could have showed back up as just the golden child who got away, got clean, and now I'm on fire for God and no one would have ever known. But God would have known and I would have known. And in that moment, I had a choice to make. Would I choose life or would I choose death? Would I choose blessing or would I choose curse? Can I tell you something? I chose life. I came clean. I packed up myself. I went home. I looked my mama in the eye and I told her, Mom, I failed. I made a mistake. And I cried in her arms and my father held me and we wept together. And even then, as hard as it was, I went back into the program for their 90-day rehabilitation. Now, now I, I want you, I want to paint this picture. I want you to hear me. When I was interning that year, there were people that I was leading, and some of those guys graduated and went back to intern at the previous program. So when I relapsed and fell and subjected myself back to that original program, some of those guys I used to lead were now leading over me. Do you hear me? It was the most humbling, humiliating season of my life for the first time few weeks and then I realized sometimes the path to all God has for us is marked with moments of surrender and moments of humility and moments of putting our face to the floor and submitting to the limitation of God because can I tell you the first time that I went into this program and I laid my life bare before God I experienced his mercy but it wasn't until the second time when I chose to surrender to limitation that I experienced the grace of God because can I tell you something? It was in that program the second time around. It was in that program where God began doing a deep work on the inside of my life. It's in that second time around when God called me to full-time ministry, when God blessed me with the wife that I have today of 18 years. It's in that place where God called me to the Bible College in Dallas, Texas, where he would launch me into an international ministry sharing the truth of God's word around the world. Can I tell you? I found God's grace in the limitation. Me embracing that limitation ushered me into the blessing that I live in today. And Paul said it in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We all know this verse, and we know. Somebody say, we know. We know. Paul said, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And I realized then what I've come to discover time and time again, that baby, a no from God is just as powerful as a yes from God. 
And sometimes we find ourselves so focused on the limitation, we just need to change our perspective. Come on, fellas. I know that she won't give you the time of day. I know she's looking at you crazy. But can I tell you something? Maybe, just maybe, in this season, God wants you to take your eyes off the booty and wants you to be surrounded by some men of God who are going to sharpen you and correct you and disciple you and raise you up to be the man of God that he's created you to be. Y'all acting cute in here tonight. Listen to me. Ladies, I know that he broke your heart. I know that he cheated, that he said one thing and did another. But can I tell you something? Rather than wasting your time and energy crying like Mary J. Blige, come on, I am not going to cry. No. What? Boo-boo, your prayer needs to be, God, I thank you for saving me from this lying, deceitful child of a man. They ain't talking to you tonight. God, thank you for saving me months or maybe even years of trying to turn a boy into a man. What? Stop playing. Stop playing. He ain't got no job, no way. <laughs> ah. And fellas, she won't all that cute anyway. Like, can't even walk in the hills. Ankles just, ankles hurting. <laughs> what? Come on. Man, I can't stand my boss. Well, at least you got a job. Well, I don't make enough. I'm still struggling. They don't pay me what I'm worth, okay? Well, number one, maybe it's time to reconsider a move or a transition. Let's pray through that. Or if that's not the case, maybe it's time to reassess your spending habits. Or imagine this. Maybe because you're not honoring God by bringing your tithe into the storehouse. Oh. So the 90% you're trying to hold on to is actually cursed by God. That's another story for another night. <laughs> I'll let Pastor Vance preach that one. <laughs> but listen to me. Listen to me, my friend. But Pastor Kirvin, you don't know, man. I lost some people that I really loved. I've experienced grief. I've experienced some deep sorrow. I get it. And it sucks that on this side of eternity that we have to experience grief and loss and death. But can it just be a reminder of how fleeting and frail this life is? And shouldn't it empower us to truly cherish the relationships that we have in our lives right now? Come on, it's all about perspective. We can look at the limitations with disdain, or we can look at it as an opportunity to propel us into our destiny. It's all about the perspective, sis. But we're so, we're so quick to hold on to how we want to do it our way and what we expect when we want it, when we want it how we want it right now. But we got we to gotta let go. I heard this story about these farmers in Tanzania. And there were these rabid monkeys that were coming and eating all the crops. I mean, as soon as the harvest was ready, these little rabid monkeys would come out in the middle of the night and just destroy the crops. And it began affecting the economy in this small village. And one guy had this brilliant idea. 
he went and he purchased these large, or, or these small basins that were wide at the bottom, but the neck was just kind of small. And they would put crushed up banana inside of the basins, and they would concrete those basins into the earth, into a hole, where all you would see is just um, the opening. So what would happen is that overnight, these monkeys would come to this basin, they would smell the crushed bananas, and they would stick their hand into the jar to grab the fruit. But as they grabbed it in, into a fist, their fist could no longer be pulled out of the basin. And they would struggle and struggle until the morning came and the farmers found them, hands still in the basin, and they would club those monkeys to death. And all they had to do to be free was simply let go. Come on. In the words of the beautiful queen of Arendelle, we got to learn to let it go. <laughs> now, do you hear me? We've got to learn to let it go. We've have, we have to learn the art of accepting the truth and the reality that the door that God closes is just as powerful as the door that he opens. Because hear me when I say this. You want to know the true travesty of the Garden of Eden? It's not so much that they just fell into temptation. That's not the real true travesty of the Garden. Paris, the true travesty of the Garden is that Adam and Eve, rather than focusing on everything that God said yes to, rather than being thankful and grateful for all that he said yes to, they chose to focus on the one thing he said no to. My friend, let that not be so of us. Limitation is a bypass to God's blessing. Here's my third and final truth as I close. And I am a guest speaker tonight, so that means I get two fake closes. This is my first fake close. <laughs> Here it is. Limitation exposes relative truth. Limitation exposes relative truth. What is relative truth? Let me define, it's defined this way. Relative truth is the belief that truth changes based upon the individual's understanding and perception of that truth. Now, whether you have heard this term before or not, we live in a society and we live in an hour where relative truth has become God. Like lowercase g, God. Come on, with relative truth, there are no absolutes. And what may be true for you may not be true for me. Come on, have y'all heard this, 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 this garbage before? Come on, in our, in our culture, you'll hear people say things like this. Well, baby, you have your truth and I have mine. But can I tell you the problem with relative truth is that the very term itself, relative truth, it's a misnomer in and of itself. 
The actual phrase relative truth does not even make, it's a contradiction of a statement. Because if truth is factual and indisputable, then baby, you cannot have two separate truths for one situation. The reason, so, so, so why do people embrace this idea of relative truth? Let me tell you why. People embrace the idea of relative truth because it allows them to create their own reality that frees them to do whatever they want without any accountability or without any consequences. But that's foolish. No, 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 no. We know that if, if, if neither my truth or your truth is factual, then that leaves us to believe that in a world that is full of flaky philosophies and false religions and idiotic influencers and self-proclaimed gurus, that there must be an objective and absolute truth that is constant, unchanging, and eternal. There has to be. And here's what I love about the God that we serve. He's so intentional in all that he does. Listen to me. God wanted the concept. I want you, can I just geek out for just the, these next few moments? Can I like geek out for the next few moments? Come on, this is my second fake close. Here it is. God wanted the concept of objective and absolute truth to be so foundational in our lives that he did something incredible. He wanted the idea of absolute truth to be so real that during creation, while engineering the very essence of our human experience, he strategically and intentionally placed absolute truth into the construct of our existence. Point number one, gravity. You might say, well, Kervin, I believe I can fly. R.I.P. R. Kelly. Like, I believe I can fly. I don't believe in gravity. Oh, you don't? <laughs> well, after this service, how about we hop on a ladder, climb up on the top of this building, and why don't you go ahead and take a little dive off the top of the building? Can I tell y'all something? That will be the last dive you take. <laughs> why? Because it doesn't matter what you think about gravity. Gravity is real. The limitation of gravity proves that there is absolute truth in the earth. How about mathematical law? I don't care how you say it. I don't care if you, how you write it. I don't care if you do the math in your head. I don't care if you use a calculator. I don't care if you use artificial intelligence, chat GPT. No matter how you do it, two plus two will always be four. And five plus five will always be 10. The, the, the law of mathematics, like gravity, proves that in a world that says there is subjective truth, that no, baby, there is absolute truth that no man can debate. Or what about this one? The second law of thermodynamics. Some of you are like, you just lost me, pastor. <laughs> no, no, no. Let, let, me, let, me, let me explain really quick. You see, the second law of thermodynamics 
It's, it's the idea that all complex entities, that includes our bodies, societies, natural eco-communities, even the universe, matter itself, when left to themselves, will either fall apart or decay. Come on, fellas, that means no matter how hard you work out, listen, I know you, you look, you, you got it going on, all right, brother, I got you. I know you stay in the gym. I know your muscles got muscles, okay? I get it. I get it, but can I tell you something? You can work out every day of your life, and you can diet to the extreme, but if God would so tarry, a day will come where those muscles will decay, where your body will shrivel up, and where you will leave this side of eternity. Your body, my body, will one day return to dust. And all of these scientific laws and many others support what the Word already tells us. Can you imagine that? Science supporting what the Word of God already tells us. Come on, what does the Word say? In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things that he has made so that they, men, are without excuse. And hear me, I don't share anything that I just shared with you tonight because I need science to prove what the word of God has already spoken. I don't need science to prove what the word of God has already declared. Because the last time I checked, I was reminded that every time the tide comes in and the tide goes out, every time the seasons change, when the sun rises and when the sun falls, every time flowers bloom in spring and die in winter, I'm reminded that there is a God in heaven who holds all things inside of his hand. Even the breath of the atheist, whether in arrogance or ignorance, do you realize the very breath that the atheist uses to denounce God is a testament of God's mercy towards him? Homie, that breath is borrowed. Creation groans for the sons of God to be revealed in the earth. And Paul said that whenever we see these things in the earth, that we should be without excuse. Come on, in the same way that when I go home and whenever I see hot fried thumbprints all over the furniture, come on, my son is without excuse. And can I tell you, if we would just humble ourselves before the presence of a holy God, if we would be a people who submit to the limitations that he's placed in order for our protection, then we would clearly see the divine thumbprint of God all over creation. And we will see that he's working out all things together for our good. So in a world full of TikTok prophets and YouTube apostles, <laughs> We will discover that there is objective truth. There is truth that can be an anchor to your soul. Come on, there is a truth that doesn't change like the seasons of the earth. Come on, there's a truth that doesn't change like the fake friends that we surround ourselves with. There is a truth that is unchanging. 
Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God, come on somebody, it will stand forever. It will stand forever. The objective truth that you're seeking for, my friend, it has a face and it has a name and it's Jesus. So I don't care what pop culture may think about Jesus today. I don't care what the politicians, what lie the politicians may come up with tomorrow. I don't care what the LGBTQABZ123 community has to say about you or your faith tomorrow. Let them say what they want to say. When society calls you an insensitive freak for believing what you believe, when you face persecution and whenever you're shaken, can I tell you that there is a truth that can anchor your soul? And it's the truth that is found in the unfailing word of God. And tonight, I don't know who in this place came here tonight battling some limitation, but I feel that the Lord put it upon my heart to share with you tonight that if you would simply trust him, that he will make every crooked path straight. He will make every broken place whole. He will give beauty for ashes. He will give you joy in the place of mourning. But in order to experience all these things, we just got to trust him. We got to trust him the way that my son trusts me concerning those hot fries. (laughs) We've got to trust God to know that his ways are higher, his thoughts are greater. Because if he is small enough to comprehend, then he's not really big enough to be God at all. So with every head bowed and every eye closed across this room, you may be here tonight and you might be far from God. Maybe maybe you would say to me tonight, you know, Curvin, I don't know the Lord. I, I really don't. Maybe you've been in church all your life like I was. But yet still tonight, God forbid, if you were to lose your life on the way home after the service, again, God forbid, if you don't know for sure that you would stand holy before God and in right standing with him tonight, my friend, you can have that, you can have that surety tonight to know that you're right with God. I want to pray with you if that's you. But before I do, I just want to ask a question. If you're here tonight and if you would say, Curvin, I'm tired of doing this thing my way. I'm tired of trying and trying and trying. I hit the wall. I fail every time. Tonight, I want to surrender my life to the Lordship of Jesus. Come on. The greatest limitation you could ever surrender your life to is surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus. And the beautiful thing about that limitation is that it's not a limitation at all. It's actually the open door to a life fully alive. So that's you tonight. I'm going to count to three. You're going to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not even going to make you stand up. But I do want you to identify tonight and say, hey, I'm choosing the Lord. Here it is one. I've tried it my own way and I fail every time. Tonight, I realize maybe for the first time that I need a Savior. Their hands already going up too. I don't care who's beside me, who's looking at me, who I came with. Tonight, it's between me and God. Here it is. If that's you, there are already hands up. Here it is. One, two, three. 
Just put your hand up if that's you right now all across this room. You're saying, I need a Savior tonight. I realize tonight that I need a Savior. That's beautiful. And you can put those hands down. And I want to lead you in a prayer. And I want everyone in this room, we're going to pray with you. If you're joining us online, you can pray this prayer out loud right where you are. It simply goes like this. Come on, young adults, help me out. Say, God, it's me. You know who I am. I've made mistakes. And I've broken your heart. And I've broken your law. But tonight, I believe that my life can change. I believe, Jesus, you're the Son of God. You died for my sin, rose from the dead. And one day, you're going to bring me home. So come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Heal my mind and change me. I don't want to live the way that I used to live. Holy Spirit, empower me to live a life that honors you. I love you, and I thank you for loving me. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, if you love God, give him a shout in this room. I want everyone just to stand up on your feet right where you're at, right where you're at. We have just a couple, just a couple more minutes. Just every head bowed, every eye closed, no one's looking around. If you're here tonight, the band is going to lead us in just a moment in another song of worship. And we're going to get to these baptisms. But if you're here tonight, hey man, if you, if you would just be totally honest tonight. And if you were to say, man, there's some limitation in my life. There are some things that I know, I know that I know that I know deep down are not pleasing the heart of God. If there are some things in your life, some limitations that, that maybe you don't even understand why these things are happening. Maybe it's something, a challenging thing that happened in your past that has marked you to this day and you feel like it's held you back. Sometimes people that wound us and hurt us deeply as children, that can be a limitation that we carry through the rest of our lives because we see people and we engage with people through the filter of that hurt and that wound. Can I tell you tonight, if you have a wounded heart, you can leave free tonight. You can leave whole tonight. So if you're here and if you would just be honest and say, there's just something about, there's a limitation that I've been fighting against and I'm pushing against it. But tonight, maybe for the first time, I'm ready to surrender to the Lord's leadership in my life, knowing that maybe, just maybe, that in this situation, he's working, he's using it to do a deeper work in my heart. And I surrender to it tonight. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you're at, if that's you. Just lift it up really high. Lift it up really, really high, if that's you. Lift it up really high. Lift it up really high. And I'm going to ask you, if your hand is raised, I want you to move out of your seat and come right up here to the front. The band is going to lead us in just a moment. Come on, just move out of your seat. If you lifted up your hand, don't be ashamed. It's all good. Just come right on up to the front. And you can just remain in this state of awe and wonder before a holy God. Just come on up, spread out. And just lift your hands to heaven when you get up here. Just lift your hands. Come on, come on. Make room. There's a lot of room right here in the middle. Just make room, make room. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
across this room just lift your hands wherever you are God you see every hand that is lifted in this room oh, the Holy Spirit wants to set you free tonight God I pray that you would reveal yourself as the good father that you are Reveal yourself tonight as a good father. I feel the Lord saying to someone tonight that he's a God that does not waste seasons. Come on, God does not waste seasons. He does not waste pain. Pain that was inflicted upon you. He would never cause it. He would never desire it. But he will use that pain and turn it into purpose, something beautiful. But for him to do that, we got to surrender and trust him. So God, right now, you see every hand that is raised in this room. Come on, even in the back, just maybe stretch your hands forward to our brothers and sisters here. Lord, you see every hand that is lifted tonight. You know every limitation. You see every struggle. You see every battle that's going on inside of the hearts of your people. Lord, you're aware of the tension. You're aware of those places, those moments, God, that have marked us. You're aware of those strongholds and those challenges, God, those things that, that we keep going back to time and time again. And Lord, you're not moved by those things. You're not upset with your children tonight. You're not frustrated with your son tonight. You're not angry with your daughter tonight. No, your heart overflows with love. Because the heart of a good father gives good things to his children. So God, I pray that you would pour out your love tonight. I pray that your love would bring every wall crashing to the ground right now. Lord, we're people who want to trust you. So I pray that you would awaken faith in the hearts of your sons and daughters. That we would trust you in every season, whether on the mountaintop or in the valley. Come on, in, in a season of, 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 of great gain or in the season of hardship. Come hell or high water. Lord, we put our trust and we put our faith in you. And we believe by faith and according to your word that you are working all things. Come on, somebody say all things. Say, I believe you're working all things together for my good. We believe it tonight and we receive it tonight. Come on, can we take the next 15 seconds to just open up our mouths, to put our hands together, to just honor God as a sign. Come on, just to tell him, I trust you. I trust you. I honor you. I believe you at your word. I believe that you're not done with me. I believe that what the enemy tried to take me out, you're going to use to take me up into a new level of power, anointing, impact, and influence. I believe it, God. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. And say amen.